Hi, everyone. This is your 1001 Stories Network host, John Hagedorn. And I want to thank each and every one of you listeners for the support you've given 1001 Stories from the Old West. Kevin Sykes will return in the fall with a bunch of great Old West history. But during the meantime, we'll be running episodes of the old radio show, Tales of the Texas Rangers, which features actual stories from the files of the Texas Rangers from about 1936 through the late 40s. This show did very well from 1950 to 52 on NBC Radio and was successful in transitioning to TV on CBS from 1955 to 1958. I especially enjoy the episodes where they go after him on horseback. That still happens today in rough country where they need to go after fugitives on horseback, keeping America's past alive. It's time for another episode of Tales of the Texas Rangers with Joel McRae. Hope you enjoy it. The National Broadcasting Company presents Joel McRae in Tales of the Texas Rangers. Tonight, transcribed from Hollywood, another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Texas, more than 260,000 square miles, and 50 men who make up the most famous and oldest law enforcement body in North America. of the Texas Rangers come these stories based on fact. Only names, dates, and places are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. Case for tonight, room 114. It is 4.47 p.m. the afternoon of October 29, 1927. Liz Ferris, a chambermaid at the Hotel Alamo in the town of Limpia, Texas, approaches Sam Bixby, the desk clerk. Mr. Bixby. Hmm? Oh, Liz, thought you went home. Ah, can't see if I'll ever get home till I get the rooms finished. And I still ain't been in room 114. 114? Hmm? That's Mr. Boland's room. Oh, he went out a couple hours ago. Well, he left one of them do-not-disturb cards on his door just the same. His key ain't in the box there. I looked before while you were sorting out the mail. Well, he probably just forgot to leave his key. You got your pass key, you can get in. Well, how'd you know he didn't come back again without you seeing him? Suppose he's in there taking a bath. (laughs) All right, Liz, all right, come on. I'll come back with you. Give me the keys. Some folks don't care at all when I finish work, long as they can sleep the day away. Now, Liz, Mr. Boland's been here for two days, and this is the first time he's given you any trouble. Well, if it ain't him, it's somebody else. There, there's that do-not-disturb card on the door, like I said. Did you try knocking? Not on the door? Of course I didn't. I got some consideration for other folks, even if they ain't got none for me. Besides, I run the vacuum cleaner in the hall hard enough to wake the dead. Well, he don't answer the knock. Sure he went out. Well, if you're so sure, why don't you open the door then? You, uh... You in, Mr. Boland? Mr. Boland? He's out, all right. Go ahead, Liz. All right, I'll make the bed first, then get the vet. Ah! Oh, what's the matter? Oh, sticking out from under the bed, and, and there's blood on the rug. Let me out of here. No, 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 be quiet, Liz. Don't let the other guests hear you. I better call the sheriff right away. Sheriff James Kerfus reached the murder scene and immediately sent out a request for assistance from the Texas Rangers. Ranger Jace Pearson was assigned to investigate. He joined the sheriff in room 114 of the Alamo Hotel. Everything just like I found it, Ranger. Except I had the bed moved so as I could get a look at the body. Throat slashed, huh? Looks like it was done with a straight-edge razor, Sheriff. Yeah. A weapon ain't around any place, though. That's what made me figure it was murder for sure. I could have figured that out even if the razor was around. Hmm? 
Palms of his hands are cut, too. He tried to grab the razor and get it away from whoever killed him. Oh, she. We better cover him with this sheet. Austin will have fingerprint man here soon. You know who he is? The name on the register is Henry Bolin. Been here two days. Come up from Lone Star to sell some cattle at the auction barn. All the way up here from Lone Star to auction cattle? That's pretty far. Yeah, now that you mention it, it is. Yeah, plenty far. Who discovered the body? A desk clerk and cleaning woman. You must have passed him out in the hall. I told him to wait right outside. Yeah, I saw him. We better talk to him. Right. Just trying to clean oh, this. Huh? Range wants to talk to Oh, you. sure thing. I already told you all I know, Sheriff. Anybody come in to visit in this room today? Well, that's hard to say, Ranger. A lot of cattlemen in town when the auction's running. Well, nobody stopped by the desk, but you know how it is. Men know each other, visit around. Sure. Mm, if he'd been out tending his business like a man ought to be, he mightn't be dead. That's what I said. Now, Liz, I told you he was out. I saw him go. When was this? Mm, noon, a little later, maybe. But I didn't see him come in again. Are you sure it was Boland you saw? Might have been somebody dressed like him, wearing his clothes, maybe. Oh, no, I saw him good enough to know for sure. Stopped just a few feet from the desk to wipe his eyeglasses with a handkerchief. Eyeglasses? There's something mm-hmm. wrong with that, Jeez. I'll tell you in a minute. Uh, he wear glasses all the time? Mm, every time I yeah, see him, sure he did. did. I see. When you opened this door, most of the body was hidden by the bed, wasn't it? Yeah. That's right. Well, the bed's been moved since then. I think you better come in and identify the body. Oh, do we have to? Yeah, I'm afraid it's necessary. Because the man in here didn't wear glasses. Oh. Come on. Well, okay. Well, now, look, he, uh, he wouldn't have to be wearing them when he was killed, Jay. He never wore them. A man who wears glasses all the time has little pressure marks alongside the bridge of his nose. It's a thing we always look for. Helps with identification. Now, yeah, move the sheet. All right. What? Well, that ain't Mr. Bolin. No, it ain't. Well, then who is this villain? Well, Sheriff, I don't know. I, I never saw him before. He, he's a lot different. Mr. Bolin not only wore glasses, he had a mustache. Mm-hmm. And this feller don't. This couldn't be him clean-shaven? No, sir, could not. Looks like Boland isn't our victim, Sheriff. Looks like he's the killer. <laughs> made some photos of the dead man, got a quick developing job done, then headed for Lone Star, the town Boland had given us his address. On the way, I called my headquarters and asked to have Ranger Steve Clark meet me there. He was waiting at the county courthouse when I drove up. Howdy, Jason. Howdy, Steve. Been waiting long? No, just got here about a half an hour ago. Say, what's up? Headquarters fill you in on the killing of the Alamo Hotel in Olympia? Yeah, they told me about it. Good. How far out's the Boland Ranch? Well, it begins nine miles southwest. What do we do, go out and grab Boland? If he's around, but it isn't likely. Not after checking out of that hotel and leaving a dead man in his room. Why'd you head this way, then? Well, nobody at Limpia had seen the dead man before. We've got to find out who he is. If there was bad blood between him and Boland, somebody around here might know about it. That's a good thought. I'll load my horse in with yours, and we can go out to the ranch and wake him up. was plenty big, spreading and sprawling out south of the main highway. But the ranch house was deserted except for a Mexican woman. She was frightened and wouldn't unlatch the screen door. Well, we just want to talk to you, ma'am. Go That's away, all. go away. You come back again when Mr. Boland is here. We're Texas Rangers. We just want some information from you. I know nothing, please. You go away. If Mr. Boland is in there, we'd like to talk to him. No one is here, senor. No one but me. It won't do you any good to hide him, ma'am. If he's not there, why can't we come in and look around? No. We should have gotten the search warrant, Jason. Nah, she's just frightened because she's alone. There ought to be somebody else around a ranch this size. Boland must have hands. Yeah. Uh, where are the men, senora? The vaqueros who work on the ranch. Round up, all out to work, they round up. All right, senor. You can go back to bed. We'll go talk to them. <laughs> you, senora, wasn't really too happy to see you, boy. I know. Well, let's get the horses out of the trailer. Yeah. You really want to look for those cow folks tonight? Yeah, because we got plenty of other things to do in the morning. Come on, charcoal. All right, boy. Come on. What's on your mind for the morning? Find out where Boland banks. Watch his account so we can trace him if he cashes a check anyplace. Hey, it'll make it tougher for him to hide, all right. That's how I want to make it. Tough. 
Well, let's ride. Get up, Get up. Get up. Poland had plenty of stock, all right. We passed cows and calves by the score. But ground marks showed that the main herds, the selling beef, were driving south. Railroad runs to the south, Jase. Guess they're moving them that way for shipping. Figures. That's why we had to ride so far. Yeah, it must make, take them three or four days to cut out the steers and drive them to a main camp. We ought to be spotting some riders soon. Trail marks have been getting fresher. And if we don't, we're going to have to rest these ponies. We've been knocking on them steady now for about That's three... That's all right. We're getting yeah. close. They can rest soon. Look. Where? Mace over there in the moonlight. Look down at the base. On the east end. Yeah, campfire. Come on, Charlie. See the stock now, only part of the herd from the looks of it. Probably got a few folks working each section, driving into the railhead from different angles. They can drive them any way they want. All I want is somebody who can identify the photographs of a dead man. Campfire there, all right, Jace. Nobody around it. That's kind of funny, isn't it? Fire must have been made by cowpokes. They gotta be around. Horses couldn't move far if they were hobbled, but there ain't any horses inside either. Nothing but part of the herd. Maybe they moved around the other side of the mesa. <coughs> whoa, whoa, Charco. Where'd that shot come from, Jace? Lump of brush and rock, the edge of the mesa. Whoa, easy, boy. Come, you fellas! Pull it. you Come up where we can see you and keep your hands high. Not while you're gunning from cover. Who are you? Ranch hands with the right to be here. We can see you. Okay. Come on, fella. We better get off our horses, Jace. Make too good a target for them. Yeah. Well, reckon y'all rangers all right. My name's Frank Tuller. This is Charlie Small. Never mind the introductions, Tuller. You always throw lead at anybody riding this range? I fired over your head. Just a warning. A warning for what? It's orders, rangers. Somebody's been making off with some stock, and Boland told us to be on the lookout for strange riders. Yeah. Boland? He around? No. When did you see him last? Just before we started out on Roundup. Teller and I ain't seen anybody but each other for almost a week. And you don't have any idea where your boss might be? How would we know? Hey, you seem mighty anxious to find him. I am mighty anxious. Yeah, the boss in uh, some kind of trouble? He's in plenty of trouble. We'll find it out sooner or later. Yeah. He's wanted for murdering a man in a hotel in Limpia. So if you know where he is or even where he might be, you better talk up. Well, if we knew, we'd tell you right off, but we don't. You know anybody Boland's been having trouble with? No. Nope. Well, boss never had trouble with nobody. It's a dead man who'd disagree with that if he could. Get those photos out of your saddlebag, will you, Steve? Right. Maybe you can identify the man Boland killed. Here you are, Jase. Thanks. Here, Tuller, you're yeah. too small. Huh? Take a look. Why, say... Ranger, Boland never killed this man. What makes you so sure of that? Because this is the boss. This is a picture of Boland himself. You are listening to Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. We continue now with tonight's case, Room 114, an authentic story from the files of the Texas Rangers. We had our killer cold, knew his name, his address, and he turned out to be the dead man. The case fell apart. It didn't make sense. You're sure this is a photo of Boland? <laughs> we ought to know. We've been working for him for a year ever since he come down from Wyoming and bought this spread. The desk clerk at the hotel in Limpia said he'd never seen this man before. I can't have that. But Boland was registered at that hotel for two days. The clerk said he wore eyeglasses and a mustache. And then the man he saw wasn't Henry Boland. There's something fishy about this whole thing, Jace. I can't figure why anybody... Wait a minute, Steve. Huh? You fellas said Boland thought somebody was running his stock off? Yes, yeah, right. Is his brand registered? Well, sure it is. Box B brand. Thanks. 
If we want any more information, we'll be out to see you later. Come on, Steve. But, Jace, we... Come on. Get mounted. Get up, Charles. Get up. Come on. Hope you catch the men you after. Thanks. What's on your mind, Jace? What'd you ask about the missing cattle and the brand registration? Bolin thought some of his cattle were missing. But the registered brand stolen cattle are hard to get rid of. It wouldn't be so hard if the thief took them to an out-of-the-way auction barn like the one in Limpia and then pretended to be Boland when he sold them. Hey, Jace, that makes sense. Sure it does. That's why somebody registered the Alamo under Boland's name. Then Boland must have found out about it, went up to Limpia for his showdown, and got himself killed. That's the picture. I'll buy it, Jace, but who killed it? That's something we're going to have to find out. But whoever it was, it was somebody Boland knew. Or he wouldn't have been able to follow him to that hotel room. Then if the cattle were stolen from here by somebody Bolin knew, and Bolin hadn't been here very long, the thief might have been one of his own ranch hands. We'll play it that way, Steve. Let's stick around here and see if we can find a poke with a mustache and eyeglasses. During the next morning, we spotted a pair of riders and asked if they knew of a hand with a mustache and glasses. There was such a man on the ranch, and they told us what general direction he might be working in. A couple of hours later, we found him alone, pushing some strays out of a blind draw. That's him, Jase. Just saw the sun reflect on his glasses. Let's go. Get up, Charlie. Get up, You! Stay right where you are. Don't move for that rifle holster. We'll ask the questions. Mustache, too, Jase. Yeah. Just sit tight on that horse until I get your rifle. Now, look, Ranger. When you come riding down on me like I've done something and grab my gun, I reckon I've got a right to know what it's all about. You been at the Alamo Hotel in Limpia recently? Never been in Limpia in my whole life. Where you been for the past four days? Right here on this range, working. Anybody with you? No, just me. How come? The other hands are working in twos and threes. Well, I ain't. I've been working through this Badlands strip. No herding here. Nothing but a few strays a one man can dig out. That's how it come. Anybody seen you here in the last couple of days? How could anybody see me? I've been way back in that scrub canyon. Yeah. If nobody saw you there, nobody'd see you if you weren't there either. What's your name? Dave Booden. Booden, huh? All right, you better come with us. Come with you? For what? I ain't coming any place. I'm not asking you. I'm telling you. Somebody murdered your boss, Henry Boland, up in Limpia yesterday. Murdered Hank Boland? That's right. Description of the killer fits you. What? Well, you're crazy. I, I've been right here, I tell you. Tell me anything you want. But you're coming to Limpia. I want a couple of people to get a look at you. We got back to the car and drove Dave Booden to the sheriff's office in Limpia to see if he could be identified. Ranger, I'm telling you, I ain't never been near this town. If you haven't been here, you got nothing to worry about. Did you send for the chambermaid and the desk clerk, Sheriff? Yeah, yeah, they'll be here right off. Thanks. As a matter of fact, here they come now, up the outside steps. See him through the window? Ranger, I'm telling you... You better I... not say anything just now, Booden. Come in. Howdy. 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 Reckon you remember the ranger here? Ain't likely we'd forget him after seeing him only yesterday. Uh, Liz, Mr. Bixby, I want you to meet Mr. Booden. Hot. Howdy. Howdy. Hmm. Doesn't seem like you've ever met Mr. Booden before. I thought maybe you had. Mm, nope. Can't say I ever had the pleasure. Mm, me neither. Although for a minute he did look like... Like who? Now listen, lady, you never... Quiet, Booden. Oh, what's everybody getting excited about? I was just going to say, it looked like Sarah Leamy's old beau, the one that run off when everybody expected they was going to get married. <laughs> oh, right, Liz. Oh, right. Thanks, Liz, Mr. Bixby. We just wanted to be sure that this man wasn't the one who was registered under the name of Henry Boland. Oh, oh, I see. Oh, no, uh -huh. nothing like him. Except for the eyeglasses and the mustache. Yeah, I guess we might as well let these folks go back to the hotel, Jason. Yeah, looks like you were telling the truth, Booden. I'm sorry. No harm done, Ranger. No way you could have known. Jase, uh, I've been thinking. You suppose a uh, mustache and eyeglasses might have been uh, disguised to throw us off? That's a thought, Sheriff. It's been done before. Well, that ain't the way it was this time, Ranger. Why not, Bixby? Well, them glasses may have been fake, but not the mustache. Man, you're after had a real mustache. I know, because cause I seen him in the barber shop, and the barber trimmed it. <laughs> put Booden on the bus to Lone Star and sent him back to the Boland Ranch. 
Clark and I spent the next day questioning everybody in Limpia. The crew at the auction barn, cattlemen, everybody. They couldn't add a thing to what we already knew. When we got back to the sheriff's office, there was more bad news. Had a call from your headquarters at Austin, Jays. They checked those prints the lab crew lifted from 114. Whoever left them had no record. Yeah, that does it. I still think it must have been somebody from Boland's ranch. Somebody he knew. That's what we think, and that's the way it looks. But let's face it, Jace. Could have been a stranger stole the cattle. Boland found out about it, went in for a showdown like any hothead, and got himself killed. Killer could have come in from any direction and left in any direction. Yeah, that's right, Jace. No way you're telling... Come in. Howdy, Sheriff. Rangers. Yeah. Something we can do for you? Well, my name is Denning. I drive a line haul for interstate trucking route between New Orleans and El Paso. I think I got some information you might want. Leastwise, I thought so over at the Alamo Hotel. What kind of information? This. Key to room 114, the Alamo. Where'd you get this? Was it? Was nightfall last. Night of the day Bolton was killed, Jase. Yeah. Go ahead. Yes, yeah, so my relief man was driving. We made a coffee stop, placed about 40 miles this side, Lone Star. Pulled a truck in the side of the service station there. I was sleeping and didn't want no coffee, so I stayed in the cab and dozed while a relief man went inside. I got it. Go on. Well, cattle truck pulled in for gas. Well, empty. Empty cattle truck, huh? Headed which way? Southwest. Toward Lone Star. You notice the license? Well, no, no, but there was a mark on the side box with a B in the middle of it. Boland's Box B brand, Jase. Must have been the truck used to haul the stolen cattle up here. Yeah, to haul the killer back to the ranch. Uh, what about the key? I was coming to that. Uh, fell in the cattle truck. He paid for the gas. I didn't see him too good. Uh, I was just sort of slumped in my cab. You know, half groggy. Not exactly watching him, but seeing. I know what you mean. Well, when he fished money out of his pocket, I saw him kind of look at something. He dug out with it. Then he sort of looked around like he was looking for some place to throw it. Station man left him to go inside for change. Then the fellow walked right past my truck real quick. He didn't see me, of course, because the cab was dark, and I heard him throw something. Make kind of a clink. Then he went back to the cattle rig and drove off. Just what it threw away, this hotel key here? That's it. I found it when my partner came out. We went back to check the top and the tailgate, and I sort of looked around and found the key with my flash. How come you didn't just drop it in a mailbox? Well, we had a lot of stops along the line, loading, unloading. And the route came right through here. Thought I'd stop in, just drop it off. Information help you, any? It sure does. Thanks. My headquarters will see to it your boss hears about it, too. Sheriff, better take down his statement. Okay, Jeeves. Come on, Steve. Uh, see you later. All right, Jeeves. Heading back for Lone Star? As fast as the wheels will turn. Pile in. Yeah. How are we going to narrow it down, Jase? Booten was the only hand with a mustache and the glasses, and he's clear. Glasses still could have been phony. Something the killer wore only while he was in Limpia. Well, we know the mustache wasn't a phony. Boland's hands have been on Roundup for a couple of weeks. A lot of them let their beards grow. Would have been a simple matter to shave the beard and leave a lip cover. Sneak away with a load of cattle and then shave clean before he got back. I know, I know, but Booten was the only hand working alone. One of the others did it and disappeared for a few days. His sidekick know about it. Doesn't have to be a one-man job, Steve. Sidekick could be in on it, too. Yeah, that figures. Well, what's our play, Jase? Fingerprint them all and get a check on the prints up at Austin? I think we can wrap it up quicker than that. We know the killer doesn't have a beard now and uses a straight razor. That was the murder weapon. Yeah. Booten can tell us which of the men shaved with straight razors, and once we know that, we can settle the rest with a camera I got in the car trunk. How? By asking the straight razor men if they'd like to pose for a couple of identification pictures with eyeglasses and a phony mustache. Tell them we'll have to hold them until the pictures are seen by a couple of witnesses in Limpia. That ought to flush some action from them. Action? I'm betting the man who killed Boland will raise more fuss than the alligator when the lake went dry. Got back to Lone Star just in time. The bank had taken over the management of Boland's ranch as executors, and the roundup was just about complete. Last, the herd was being driven into the stock pens near the railroad siding when we reached the south end of the ranch. There's Booten, Jason. Take care of the horses over there by the corral. Yeah. Come on. Hey, Booten. Hey, Booten. Yeah? I want to talk to you a minute. Oh. Hello, Rita. How you making out? I'll make out fine if you will help. Pretty sure it was somebody on the ranch who killed your boss. 
Well, how can I help you? Just tell me which of the pokes use straight razors for shaving. Hmm. Well, let's see. Is Jones and Tuller and Happy? Tuller, huh? Say, Jace, isn't he the bright boy that fired on us first time we rode out on the range? He's the one, all right. He was clean shaven, too. The fella with him was named Small. You know where they are, Boudin? Well, it was over there a minute ago, driving the last... Oh, oh, here they come now, Jace, around the end of the corral with the horses. Hey, you better drift away, Boudin. Sure thing. Well, howdy, Rangers. Back again? Yeah. I'd like to have another talk with you, Tuller. You too, Small. Sure, ain't you? What's it about? Make your way till you dismount. Right. Yeah. Well, what do you want? Yeah. Find out who killed Boland? We're pretty sure it's one of the hands. All you fellas without beards are going in with us. What for? Why? Yeah. What would that prove? Prove plenty when we get what we want. Take photos of all of you with prop eyeglasses and mustache on you. A couple of people in Limpia want to see them. Well, if they think they recognize somebody, that ain't legal evidence. We'll have something to help it along. We'll fingerprint the man they think they saw what? because Boland's killer left his prints all over that hotel room. Ranger, it warned me. Shut up. Huh? I helped steal the cattle, that's all. I didn't go to Olympia. He did. I told you to shut up, you rat. All right, Tuller. You can both. Tuller lashed his horse and dove behind the other mounts at the rack. Frightened animal reared over us and knocked Small into me before Clark could grab the bridle. Keep your eye on Small, Steve. I'm going after Tuller. He jumped the fence into the cattle chute, Ranger. Don't let a man push you from there, Steve. I'll climb up and get him from above. Look out. Stay flat up there, Ranger. I can see you better than you can see me. You got yourself in a trap, Tuller. Yeah? I'll have you and one if you come down after me. I don't have to come down after you. You're a dead pigeon in that cattle chute. <laughs> don't you believe it, Ranger? No? That shot you fired's already got the cattle stirred up. Hey, you men down in the pen. Yo, yeah, I'm Open the gate so the herd can move into the chute. you won't like. If they open that gate and I fire into the herd, they'll run you down. You'll get trumped to death. All right, boys, open up the gate. I'm not fooling, Tuller. I'll fire into them. No, 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 no. Come on, come on. Here's my gun. All right. And climb up on the fence. All right, Ranger. All right, I'm coming. Now, here, give me your arm. I'll pull you out of there. Good, Ranger. Okay. Don't, don't let me drop now. I, 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 don't, I don't want to make no trouble, Ranger. I made a mistake, I admit it. You made a big mistake, Tuller. Too bad you didn't use that razor strictly for shaving. Go on. his part in the crime, Charles Small received a sentence of 25 years. Frank Tuller was tried and convicted for the murder of rancher Henry Bolin. Today, after two decades, he still serves his sentence. Life imprisonment. Here again is the star of our show, Joel McRae. Reflecting on the old-time One Riot, One Ranger reputation of the Texas Rangers, a visitor to Texas recently mentioned to a ranger that he'd been noticing a number of current press reports where two rangers had participated in the quelling of a riot or investigation of a crime. After citing this observance to the ranger, the man asked, how come two men are being assigned to some of these cases now? Are the rangers less effective than they used to be? The lanky ranger shook his head. Oh, no, he said. One ranger is still sufficient to handle the situation, all right, but in these days of complex legal technicalities, we've been sending two of them along. One to take care of what trouble there is, and the other one to serve as a sort of a disinterested witness. Good night, folks. See you next week. Next week, Joel McRae in another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of The Texas Rangers. Joel McRae is currently seen starring in the MGM production Stars in My Crown. 
Tonight's cast included Tony Barrett, Ann Diamond, Herb Bygren, Peggy Weber, Tom McKee, Bill Johnstone, Herb Ellis, and Barney Phillips. This story was transcribed and adapted by Joel Murcott, and the program was produced and directed by Stacy Keach. This is Hal Gibney speaking. Three chimes mean good times on NBC. Monday chimes mean the best in music on NBC. Tomorrow night, Gordon McRae stars in the Railroad Hour presentation of the operetta The Firefly. The NBC Symphony presents a one-hour concert featuring works by Vivaldi, Wagner, and Stravinsky. Tomorrow's NBC Symphony concert marks the first in a series under the baton of the widely acclaimed young conductor Guido Cantelli. Now the $64 question. Three chimes mean good times on NBC. Before we bring you tonight's Tales of the Texas Rangers, here's a Christmas message all of us associated with this program would like you to hear. Christmas is just two weeks away, and unless everybody helps in his own city or town, there are some less fortunate children who will not receive Christmas gifts. Let's everyone join your local groups and give a thing, a thing for kids for Christmas. In your town... There are one or more agencies collecting toys for less fortunate children. Do your part and contribute the things you can. Thank you. The National Broadcasting Company presents Joel McRae in Tales of the Texas Rangers. Tonight transcribed from Hollywood, another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. of the Texas Rangers starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. Texas, more than 260,000 square miles. And 50 men who make up the most famous and oldest law enforcement body in North America. of the Texas Rangers come these stories based on fact. Only names, dates, and places are fictitious for obvious reasons. The events themselves are a matter of record. Case for tonight, The Lucky Dollar. It is 7.30 of a simmering hot night. August 14th, 1945. In a small South Texas town not far from Corpus Christi, Joe Barry is counting up the day's receipts of his modest store. His wife, Clara, is locking up and back. What the... didn't turn them off, Ma. One of the fuses must have blown. You think it could be the refrigerator again? No, I just put in a whole new unit, didn't I? Hey, you just stay where you are, Claire. I'll get my flashlight here and see what the trouble is. Be careful, Joseph. <laughs> Don't worry, honey. I'll be careful. Let's see what we got here now. Yeah, all these fuses look good. Joseph? Everything seems all right in here, Ma. Must be in the main switch box. I'll take a look outside. Well, I'll be done. Main switch is pulled. Oh, who in thunder... Oh, let me think, huh? Keep your back to me and give me a flashlight. What? Who are you? Never mind. Now, hold up. Uh, Nobody's going to hold up Joe Barry. Wait. Oh, you old fool. Oh. Old fool. Didn't you find the trouble, Joseph? Joseph? Joseph, what on earth are you doing trying to count up here with so little? You know, Joseph. What are you doing? Keep away, old woman. Get away from that cash register. Crazy old bat. (laughs) 
when Joseph Barry regained consciousness, he staggered to the phone and called Sheriff Jennings, who in turn requested help from the Texas Rangers. Ranger Jace Pearson was at the scene of the crime a short time later. It's just like Barry said, Sheriff. The thief pulled his master switch outside the store to draw out the storekeeper. And he must have thought Joe was alone in the store. Sure he did. Too bad he wasn't. Mrs. Barry'd be alive now. Well, let's go inside again, Sheriff. I'd like to ask Barry a few more questions. You know, Jace, this is mighty like another holdup we had in this area just a week ago. Yeah? Liquor store. No gunplay, but otherwise just the same. Main switch pulled. Owner went out to check the fuses. Was slugged. Nobody saw the thief? Nobody. But it could be the same guy. Could be. Mr. Barry. Yes, stranger? Find anything more? Maybe. I know this is hard on you, but I'd like to ask a few more questions. Uh, go right ahead, Ranger. Ask all you want. I'll do anything to catch the devil that, that murdered my wife. I know. You're sure you didn't get a good look at the burglar? Something you could remember as identification? No, sir. He came up on me out of nowhere. No sound, nothing, until he spoke. Then we fought... But that voice, I'd remember that whispering voice anywhere. He spoke. You didn't mention that before, Joe. Didn't I? It's kind of hard to think right now, Sheriff, with poor Clara. What'd the burglar say, Mr. Barry? Not much, Ranger. But I'd know that voice. I'd know it all right. Go on. Try to remember it, word for word. Uh, He said, hold everything, Pop. Keep your back to me and hand over your flashlight. And then when I fought him, let go, you old fool. That's all. He hit me, and the next thing I knew, I saw Clara. It's all right, Mr. Barry. I won't ask you to talk much more now, but would you mind coming over to the cash register for a minute? Sure. I'll come with you. There was so little in the till, Ranger. Only $45 it was. $45 for my Clara. Look here, Mr. Barry. Hmm? Can you tell me about this piece of adhesive stuck on the front of the register? Looks like something was pasted here. It was, Ranger. That murdering skunk even took the first dollar this store ever made. My lucky dollar. Lucky dollar? Yeah. Had it stuck up there on the register with a couple of pieces of adhesive tape. He took it. Not all of it, Mr. Barry. Look here. A corner of the bill is still stuck under this piece of adhesive. Must have torn off when he grabbed it. That's not much to go on, Jace. It's a start, Sheriff. A dollar bill that matches this torn corner and the bullets from Mrs. Barry's body. <laughs> Clara. Clara. How can we help him, Jace? And best thing for him is some rest, Sheriff. I'll leave it to you. All right. What about you? I'm hoping we can pick up some fingerprints on the register here and from the outside switch box. I'll radio the lab crew to fly down here and we'll see what they can find. Meantime, we'll notify all banks to be on the lookout for a sticky dollar bill with one corner missing. The lab crew came in from Austin and gathered all evidence. By the next day, I had a report from Captain Stinson. On that very robbery and homicide, Jase. Yeah, Captain. Any make on the bullets or prints? Nothing on the bullets. All we know is that they're from a thirty-two. But on the prints, that's another thing. The lab dug up something interesting. What's that? No direct prints, Jase, but the thief wore cotton gloves. There's an imperfection in the weave of the left thumb. There's not a lot to go on, Captain. I know it, Jase. You got any more leads? Not exactly, but we don't think it was done by somebody just passing through. No, why not? Because Sheriff Jennings had a similar robbery in this area last week with the same M.O. Pulled the switch and worked in the dark. A lot of people down there with the cotton season in full swing, aren't there? Swarms of them. Reckon it could be a cotton worker? Uh, it's hard to say. Well, if it is, you've got a big territory to cover, Jase. Well, I got an old dollar bill working for me, too, Captain. Yes. And by the way, Jase, all the banks in your territory will have blow-ups of the torn corner of that bill by morning. Good. I guess all we can do now, Captain, is sweat it out and wait for that dollar bill to pay off. <laughs> Captain Stinson made good his promise. By next morning, every bank in the area had a description of the missing lucky dollar and photos of the torn corner. Three days went by. Then, on the 19th of August, a man walked into State Bank. Yes, what can I do for you? Money. Here is money to pay for the loan on my house. Oh, we have a loan on your house? See, si. 
Your name, please. Uh, Ramos. Juan Ramos. Oh, I'll get your records, Mr. Ramos. Uh, uh, what is wrong, senor? This dollar bill you gave me, uh, uh, corners torn away. Mm, but it's good. The dollar is good, no? Oh, sure, sure, but uh, uh, just a minute, please. Uh, oh, okay. Hello. Hello, operator. Get me the sheriff's office. Sheriff's office, Jenny speaking. Hello, Sheriff. This is Jim Loftus over at the bank. Oh, yes, Jim. What can I do for you? Fella just came in the bank and handed me that dollar you're looking for. He did? Yeah. Fella by the name of Juan Ramos. He's here now. I see. Hold on a minute. What's up, Sheriff? Man by the name of Ramos just passed a dollar at the bank that answers the description of the lucky dollar we've been looking for. He's still there. Tell him to stall him. He'll be right over. Hello, Jim. Yeah, Sheriff. We're coming right over, and don't let that Ramos get away. This is the missing lucky dollar, all right, Sheriff. See how it matches? But I swear to you, Ranger, I do nothing wrong. I come to the bank to make payment for my house. Where'd you get this dollar, Ramos? Well, I earn it, Ranger. Can't tell me where it comes from. One day I work one place, one day another place. Who knows where I get paid the dollar? Where was your last job? Well, I, I worked for five days for Mr. Larson, Sheriff. You know, across the tracks. Larson? Odie yeah. Larson. Runs a sort of swap shop in the Mexican settlement, Jase. It's a dump, but Odie does a pretty good business. Let's go see Mr. Larson, then. Maybe he'll be able to tell us something about Ramos and the lucky dollar. Tell him, Mr. Larson. Sure, Ramos works for me, Ranger, but only for a few days. Mr. Larson, look carefully at this dollar. Hmm. What about it? Ever see it before? Mm, how do I know, Ranger? Dollar's a dollar, ain't it? Not always. Feel this one, for instance. Kind of sticky. And the edge is torn. Try to remember, Odie. It's very important. To you. To me. An old lady was shot down, killed, by someone who stole this particular dollar. An old lady? That dollar come from someone who... No, 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 no. I didn't do it, Ranger. I earned the dollar here from Mr. Larson. Take it easy, Ramos. Say, maybe I do remember this dollar, Ranger. You do? And it seems to me a little Mexican girl give it to me. Sure, I remember because it stuck to the other money she gave me. You know where we can find her? Uh, I uh, think she works at one of the cotton farms near here, Sheriff. I don't know for sure, but she gave me this dollar and two more to pay down on a red silk dress. Yeah, I'll show you. It's in the back room. Never mind that, Mr. Larson. Just when did she pay you on the dress? Uh, just last evening, Ranger. Yeah, I keep open at night for the workers, uh, the cotton pickers. I paid off Ramos when we closed up. Must have given him that sticky buck along with the rest of his pay. <laughs> I told you, Mr. Larson, give me that dollar. The girl say when she'd be back for a dress. Today. You've never seen the girl before, Mr. Larson? You don't know her name or where she lives? Mm, no. Didn't you give her some kind of receipt for her deposit? Oh, sure, but just for the three bucks. When she brings in the receipt and the rest of the money, she gets the dress. Don't need a name and address for that. Well, what do you think, Chief? I think we'll wait for the lady, Sheriff. Meantime... Ramos. See you, Ranger. Stick around town. I may want to talk to you again. See you, see you, Ranger. Gracias. Now, Mr. Larson, you mind if we wait for the girl in the back room? Mm, of course not, Ranger. Just come this way. It ain't much to look at. All these junk fires in here, but make yourselves comfortable as you can. Don't worry about us, Mr. Larson. Just go on about your business as if we weren't here. When the girl comes in... Let us know. You can depend on that, Ranger. I will. Jase, do you reckon Odie's telling us the truth? I don't know, Sheriff. We ought to find out pretty soon. I got a hunch that lucky dollar is going to hit the jackpot. You are listening to Tales of the Texas Rangers, starring Joel McRae as Ranger Jace Pearson. We continue now with tonight's case, The Lucky Dollar, an authentic story from the files of the Texas Rangers. We waited in the back room for some time. Larson had a good trade, plenty of customers, but nobody wanting a red silk dress. Then, about an hour later, a Mexican girl walked into the store. 
Oh, my dress. You know that red dress? Jeez, easy, Sheriff. Uh, yeah, sure, I remember. Got the rest of the money? See, here you are. Mm, $6. Yep, that's right. Now, you wait here now, and I'll go get the dress. It's her, Ranger. It's Come her. On, Sheriff. You, young lady. Me? Telling me your name, where you live? My name is Chita Marsalis. I live right now at Mr. Compton's farm. I pick cotton. My whole family works there. My mother, father, brothers. That's Cat Compton. I know him, Jace. Owns one of the biggest farms in these parts. When does he pay his pickers, Sheriff? Like the rest. Once a week. Saturdays. What's wrong? Why you ask this question? Because you paid this dollar down on a dress last night, Cheetah. It's a dollar we've been looking for. This dollar? Yeah, where'd you get it? get for working in the fields, picking cotton. If you're a picker, how come you're off work at this time of day? I want to get my new dress. I ride into town in one of the trucks. You can walk off your job anytime you feel like a cheater. It's my business. You're wrong there, young lady. It's plenty of our business when you pass a stolen dollar. Stolen? Come on. You're going back to the Compton Farm with us. <laughs> Sheriff Jennings and I drove Cheetah Marsalis back to the Compton farm. The girl had her new red dress, but it didn't seem to make her happy. We found Prescott Compton at one of the trucks near the main house, weighing the cotton his pickers were bringing in. And that's Compton right over there. Okay, I'll that you Dump off. Miss Compton. Well, howdy, Sheriff. This is Ranger Pearson. We'd like to talk to you. Of course. Does this girl work for you, Mr. Compton? She do? Well, sure she does, Ranger. A whole Marsalis family works for me. They're fine people. Hey, what are you doing away from the fields, Chitty? You haven't gotten yourself in any trouble, have you? I've done nothing, Mr. Compton. She passed this dollar bill that was stolen in a robbery and killing four days ago, Mr. Compton. Cheetah can't seem to remember where she got it unless it was from you. Not from me, she didn't. That robbery was four days ago. I pay off on Saturdays, Ranger. Where a whole family is hired, like the Marsalis, I pay the head of the family. In this case, the father. Let's see that dollar, Ranger. Here you are. No, sir. I didn't get this from me. I'd swear it. I've been paying my pickers off with new bills. New bills? Mm-hmm. Well, Cheetah? I didn't do anything wrong, Ranger. I don't know where that dollar came from. Well, we'll soon settle this, Ranger. Cheetah's brother is working right close here. Carlos. Carlos. Oh, no. Oh, Carlos. Please. Hey. Come over here, man, boy. Say, senor, say, moment, amigo. Say, senor, what do you want? Cheetah, where you been? Papa look everywhere for you. The uh, ranger here wants to ask some questions, Carlos, about some money your sister has. It's been a little trouble. Trouble? Trouble with Cheetah? What you done? Did your father give her any spending money, Carlos? Hey, Papa give us all a little. See, ranger, see, 50, maybe 75 cents. And he never give Cheetah as much as eight or nine dollars at a time, huh? Oh, no, senor, never. She'd have never had that much. Any idea where she might have gotten it? I can guess. From Dandy Shut Bird. Up, Carlos. From who? Dandy Bird. Donald, uh, Dandy Bird has worked for me for over a year, Ranger. Trustworthy, so far as I know. Except he fancies himself sort of a ladies' man, I reckon. Not so. Cheetah. What do you want? Did Donald Bird give you this dollar? No, I tell you, I don't know where I get that dollar. Then you lie, Cheetah. Hey, take it easy, Marsalis. You should go get the money from no other place, senor. From this, this dandy. And no sister of mine going to take money from a man like that. Where does Bird work, Mr. Compton? Well, Carlos can take you right to his truck, Ranger. See, you better show you the way, Ranger. And you, little sister, you pick your cotton here close to the house where I can keep an eye on you when we come back with your fine dandy. <laughs> come on, Sheriff. Carlos, let's get started for Bird's truck. Marsalis directed us along the road through the cotton fields to where Donald Bird had been working. A trailer was there, but the truck was nowhere in sight. Hey, that's strange, senor. I know he was working here. Hey, Sam, come over here a minute, huh? Come right out, boy. Maybe move to another part of the field. No, I don't think so, Sheriff. What do you want, Carlos? Where's Dandy Bird? This ranger, he want him. Well, Dandy drove out of the field three or four hours ago, Mr. Ranger. He had full load. He's in town? He sure is, boss, at the cotton gin. Is Dandy get himself some kind of trouble? I'm going to make him plenty of trouble if he don't leave Cheetah alone. Your sister? Well, she drove into town with Dandy. She did? 
And she lied to us twice, Sheriff. Bird was at the gin when she came to the store for her dress. Sure he was. Thanks for the information, Sam. Oh, glad I can help, Mr. Blake. Carlos. Si, senor. Can you give us a good description of Dandy Bird? Si, si. He's about as tall as the sheriff. That makes him five foot ten. He's thin, blonde. Color eyes? Blue. Pale blue. Cold like a snake's eyes. Uh, no scars, no distinguishing marks? No, senor. Uh, only he is always dressed up, even in a truck at work. He dresses fancy. That's why they call him Dandy. That's a pretty good description, Jace. Shouldn't be hard to pick him out in a crowd. Oh, please, Ranger, let me go with you to town. Eh? No. You can do more good back at the farm, Carlos. I'll drop you there. You keep an eye on your sister until we contact you again. Eh, bueno, senor. We'll head back for town, Sheriff. We'll pick up Dandy at the cotton gin. <laughs> There was a big lineup of trucks at the cotton gin, but we didn't see any driver that answered Dandy's description. Sheriff Jennings and I went up to the loading platform and headed for the superintendent's office. Here we are, Jane. Yes, sir. What can I do for you? Ranger Pearson would uh, like some information, Mr. Cullen. Why, sure. Come on in my office so we can hear ourselves talk. There. Have a chair, gentlemen. Now, uh, oh. how can I help you? You know most of the drivers by sight, don't you, Mr. Collins? I'd say so, Ranger. The regulars, anyway. But there's a heavy crop this year. You saw the line of trucks outside. Well, there's lots of new drivers. The man we want is regular, Mr. Collins. Works for Press Compton. man's name is Donald, or Dandy Bird. Dandy? Why, sure, I know him. Funny, you should ask for him, too. Oh, somebody else wanted him? Yeah, phone call came in here about half hour ago. Phone call? Mm-hmm. I went out on the platform and gave a yell. Dandy moved up close to the head of the line, and he climbed out and came back in the office with me. Then you heard the conversation? What there was of it, Ranger. I wasn't paying much attention. But it seems to me he did say something about meeting somebody at the same place tonight. Then he hightailed out of here, and I haven't seen him since. You any idea where he went? No, and I wish I did. Left the truck standing, blocking the whole line. You're looking for Dandy Bird, Ranger. I'd like to get my hands on him myself. Well, thanks, Mr. Collins. Oh, uh, one thing more. Do you know who called Bird on the phone? I know. Sounded like some little Mexican gal. I left Sheriff Jennings scouring the town for Bird while I went back to the Compton farm to have a talk with Cheetah. We didn't have much time. It was getting dark. As I turned off the highway onto the Compton Road, I saw Carlos Marsalis running toward me. Ranger! Ranger Pearson! Yeah, what is it, Carlos? Cheetah, senor. She's gone. What? I thought I told you to keep an eye on her. I did, I did, senor. But she went into a shock and I wait. But when she don't come out, I go in and Cheetah's gone. Her clothes, everything. Then I look out the window. I see her stopping the bus. I, I run after her, but it's no use. The bus was gone. A bus? Past me coming down here. Pile in, Carlos. We'll follow it. Carlos Marsalis and I followed that bus for 18 miles. Then we saw Cheetah get off in a town that wasn't more than a whistle stop. She went into a dingy beer joint. It was small, but plenty noisy. Parked the car where it wouldn't be noticed, and we sat there for almost an hour. Why should my sister go into a place like that? I hope it's because of Dandy. I hope he shows up. I'm going to kill him. Leave that to the state, Carlos. You'll get what's coming to him. See, but just to sit here, Ranger, doing nothing. Hey, wait a minute. Look, going into the cantina now. Huh? Is that Bird? See, si, see, si, that's him, Ranger. Let me go, huh? No. You stay here, Carlos. And I mean it. See, si, Ranger, whatever you say. Can I buy a beer, baby? Dandy. Oh, Dandy, darling. I was so afraid you wouldn't come. <laughs> I told you I wouldn't on the phone, didn't I? You see, you did. But I was so frightened. First, that ranger. Then I had a big fight with my family. Carlos even hit me. Poor kid. I leave them, Dandy. I leave my family because I love you. Yeah, sure, nobody followed you here, kid. No. No one even saw me leave the farm. Good. I can do without them rangers snooping on my tail. Uh, waiter, uh, two beers. Si, senor. Dandy, 
What you do to make those rangers come for you? Do? What does anybody do to get the rangers after them? Those guys are always looking for trouble. Hey, what about them beers? See me still right away. Dandy, you tell me the truth? Hmm? For you, I leave my family, Dandy. I love you. Yeah, yeah, I know, baby. The beers, senor. Ah, just in time. Boy, am I dry. Like I said, kid, Dandy Bird never makes trouble for nobody. I got plans for you. Dandy, what's wrong? That ranger coming in the door. He's heading this way. Put away that gun, Dandy. Come on, Cheetah, we're getting out of here. The bus... There we are, Bird. So you did leave the rangers here. No, Dandy. You stay where you are, ranger. Don't go for your guns. I got the girl in front of me. Dandy, let me go. No, 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 babe, you're staying close to me. Dandy! Get the girl out of the way, Bird. Keep away from that door. Not on my life, Ranger. You try to come in, you hit her first. You treat me like this. You don't love me. Who's you devil? <laughs> Let me get this door open. Don't come any closer, Ranger. He has a gun, Ranger. Get away from him, Cheetah. Dandy, let me go. Let me go. I hear you, little... Cheetah, hold it, Dandy. Oh, yeah? <laughs> don't, don't shoot no more, Ranger. Don't shoot no more. I'm done. You sure are. Too bad you didn't stick to the cotton business. Come on, Dandy. On your feet. The cotton glove with the imperfect weave was found on Donald Byrd at the time of his capture. Confronted with this and the undeniable evidence establishing his gun as the murder weapon, Donald Dandy Bird made a full confession. Cheetah Marcellus was given a suspended sentence of five years. Bird was sent to the state penitentiary at Huntsville for the rest of his life. And now, here again is the star of our show, Joel McRae, with another interesting anecdote about the Texas Rangers. In the early oil boom days of Texas, the Rangers were faced with a problem of rounding up lawbreakers and holding them in custody until they could get them to the nearest jail, which might be 50 miles away. Captain M.T. Lone Wolf Gonzalez, now commander of Company B, Texas Rangers, used a novel fresh-air jail that became known as the Ranger Trotline. It was simply a long chain strung up between two posts with 50 or 60 trace chains attached. When an arrest was made, he padlocked the free end of the trace chain to his prisoner and left him there to face the jibes and laughter of the local citizens. Though it's no longer used today, the Ranger Trotline started quite a few would-be bad men on the straight and narrow path. And to this day... There are some characters who still can't stand the sight of a trace change. Good night, folks. See you same time next week. Good night, Joel. Folks, there have been so many requests for the Texas Ranger prayer read by Joel McRae a few weeks ago that there has been some delay in answering all of the mail. If your copy of the Texas Ranger prayer has not been received as yet, please be patient. You should receive your copy soon. week, Joel McRae in another authentic reenactment of a case from the files of the Texas Rangers. Joel McRae is currently seen starring in the Universal International Technicolor production, Saddle Tramp. Tonight's cast included Tony Barrett, Nestor Piva, Peggy Weber, Lou Krugman, Herb Butterfield, Byron Kane, Wilms Herbert, and Barney Phillips. This story was transcribed and adapted by Virginia M. Cook, and the program was produced and directed by Stacy Keach. This is Hal Gibney speaking.
Thanks for joining us for Tales of the Texas Rangers with Joel McRae. This is your host and storyteller, John Hagedorn. This is 1001 Stories from the Old West. Reviews are always appreciated. Stay safe, everyone, and we'll be back soon.